0: morning and seeing the world that we live in and the things that so many in our family are going through, uh, it just reminds me that church is not something we come to, it's something that we are. And although there are many things in our lives today that make us appear to be a blemished bride, uh, Christ is doing his beautiful work in us, as Ephesians 5 says, uh, so that one day we will be without stain, wrinkle, or blemish radiant in God's sight, and I appreciate that communion meditation this morning. Uh, as we move uh, through the week trying to be the hands and feet and the heart of Jesus, we realize it makes a difference in the lives of people, and, and people make a difference in our life. Uh, I hope you were encouraged this morning when you came and saw Bill Ellis back with us after being gone for so long with his shoulder and, and uh, uh, well, clavicle surgery that he had. Uh, it's good to have him back fellowshipping with us here this morning. And the other thing it highlights to me is that, that it is a good thing. Uh, it is a cool thing really to step back and know that you are the right person in the right place at the right time being used for God's right purposes. And that's God's plan uh, for each one of us to always make that happen. And, and maybe you read the title of my message this morning when it said God speaks and you've already gone ahead of me. And you have thought, uh, Bill, the way things have gone these days, yeah, I would love to hear God speak in my life. I would love to know what his will is amidst the flurry of changes in our family, in our life, in our world right now. Uh, am I really the right person in the right place at the right time right now? And maybe you're asking questions like, uh, am, am I right on the right career track? Should I change jobs? Should I start in a new volunteer position? Or they're offering me a new position. Is this the right one? Should I move out of Springfield? Should I move out of South Charleston or or South Vienna? And if I do, I'm going to have to find a, a new house. And how will I know if I've got the right neighborhood and the right house and the relationship that I've finally gotten into? Is this the right kind of person to be my friend or even to be my spouse? Are they going to be Mr. or Mrs. Right? Or are they the wrong one for me? Or or what if the one that I thought was the wrong one is actually the right one that I should be with? You know, I am so confused right now. I would love to hear from the voice of God. Anybody in that mix of confusion this morning? Well, let me just back up and ask the question, does God even speak to people like us? And if he does speak, is there any way that I'm going to hear him? Because I know he spoke to people like Abraham and Moses and Elijah and Peggy Myers, but what about the normal people, you know? What about the rest of us? I'm just an ordinary guy. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm just an ordinary girl. And and I'm kind of wondering, am I ever going to be able to put my head on a pillow at night and know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I am doing exactly what God wants me to do with my life? Well, the good news is that this God that we have been talking about here in the recent weeks, he does guide, and he does lead, and he does prompt, and he does direct, and he does speak to people like us all the time. And I just want to share with you this morning a few ways in which he does that, but before we get there, I just want to remind you of a principle that we have talked about here on many occasions before about God's plan for your life. It's in the box on your outline. And it simply says that God's will, it's really more about who you are than about what you do or where you go. God's will, it's more about who you are than what you do or where you go. Now, we're gonna flesh that out more uh, next, in, in a couple of weeks, but I think maybe God is trying to speak to us today. And he's saying, look, <clears throat> my will for your life, my primary plan for your life It begins with you and your heart. It begins with your character because my primary plan is not so much about where you go to school or where you're going to work or where you're going to live or who you're going to marry in this life. It's about who you are becoming in me. You see, I think God would much rather be a sculptor in our life than like the one that stands on the runway with those orange flashlights directing the plane Where to go. I think God would much rather be this creative watercolor artist with our lives than He would be being the the information person in the booth at the mall. God wants to put His hands into our lives to create and recreate, to mold and remold us, to, to paint and repaint us into the kind of people that He's always planned and dreamt that we would become for His honor and for His glory. You see, God says today, I want to lead you. I really, really do. I want to lead you to the right place, but I want to shape you into being the right kind of person so that wherever I lead you, in whatever you're doing, you're going to be the right person in the right place, at the right time, for my right productive purposes. So having said that, how does God speak to people like us Now, together, you and I could sit down and brainstorm. We could come up with dozens of different ways. But just to to kind of laser focus in on on the major ways, I just want to hit on four of them today. One of the primary ways that God speaks to us as we even read back in Psalm 18 in our prayer time, first and foremost is he speaks to us in the wisdom of his word that brings life to our soul. How many of you this morning <laughs> have gotten to the point where maybe you're, you're a little dependent upon your GPS on your phone or in your car? Yeah, now, now truthfully, I know some of you, and you wouldn't make it out of your driveway if it wasn't for Siri telling you what to do. Um, but, but I remember flying on Frontier Airlines, and if you remember when they were a big carrier, uh, you're kinda showing your age. But I flew into Baton Rouge, Louisiana, on the way to Slidell and to New Orleans to, to help with the American Red Cross, after Hurricane Katrina went through. And uh, it was it was late by the time I got there. Of course, you know, you go through the airport and you check all your, your information and your bags. And I had a, an itinerary from the Red Cross and I was supposed to go to the budget car rental kiosk. And I was to meet up with some other people that had volunteered, we're all gonna travel over together, be taken to the headquarters where we'd get our assignments and then we'd kind of spread out. And uh, when we got to the, the kiosk there, as you can imagine it was just chaos the, the whole infrastructure had kind of broken down this person behind the desk they were frazzled and they just started thrusting keys in, in the hands of all the people and saying look these cars have to get to the headquarters in baton rouge here's the address for it just just go for it and so we just all took the keys We went and got our luggage. Of course, my luggage was some of the last to come around the carousel. And by the time I got my luggage, everybody was gone. There was nobody to be a navigator for me, uh, somebody to help with directions. And so I went to the lot. I found my car, which ironically was a Lincoln Navigator, uh, brand new. And and for that brief moment, even as a Christian, I'm thinking, I could be home in about 12 hours with a brand new car. No, anyway. Anyway. So I get in the car and I I type in the address for the headquarters and head out. Now I'm thinking it's gonna be tough to find with all the traffic in that area but you know what? There's nobody on the roads down there because of the disaster except for Humvees and and 363s from the military, big, big trucks, and the navigation system, it takes me down one road and I hit water in the roadway. I can't go that way. And so I back up and it redirects me. And there are trees. There's debris everywhere. It's dark. I've got my high beams on just trying to find out where am I supposed to go. Finally, I get there. And that night, Siri and I, we became very, very close. And if it were not for Siri, I don't think I would have made it. Well, check out what it says in Psalm one nineteen one o five, 105 in the message paraphrase. It says there, by your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on a dark path. And the writer will go on to say, I've committed myself, and I'm never turning back from living by your righteous order. Everything's falling apart on me, God. Put me together again with your word. Wow. Yeah, it just says a whole lot there. The, The scriptures, this book is a whole lot of things. I mean, above all, it is a book of hope, of a loving and passionate God who wants each of us to be in a relationship with him, to know his forgiveness, to know his redemptive plan for our life. And the Bible is the inspired word of God. It's it's, it's like those high beams on a dark drive. It's living, it's active, it's personal, and it is our everyday GPS system. And as good as Siri is, she cannot compare with how God speaks and gives precise directions for our life. This is a book that, that is a book of hope. It's a book of truth and comfort and challenge and practical wisdom. And it talks about honest, raw, and real life. And without God's word, we would be lost. For instance, you might be saying this morning, you know, I'm confused about this relationship I'm, I'm in right now you know I, i've got this little spark going on she and i we have you know this kind of sexual chemistry that's starting i mean it's getting serious we've talked about you know getting married eventually but we're talking now about moving in together and i just want to know am i can i hear from god on this and god responds and he says well my my will for you is that you would avoid even the appearance of evil and in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, my will is that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. You might be thinking, you know, preacher, my marriage is at a real low right now. My marriage is really, really tough. My spouse doesn't respect me. It feels like I'm the only one that's trying to make things work. You know, I'd love to hear from you, God. I mean, I would love, they, they always seem to get their way. When are my needs going to become important? When are my wants and my desires? God, I wish you'd just speak, and he does. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, he says, My will is that you would do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. You might be frustrated saying, you know, God, my job, it's driving me absolutely nuts right now. I mean, my boss and all the people that I work with, they're impossible. What do I do? Corporate keeps pushing the bottom line. Everybody wants a a piece of me. Everyone that I work with has their own drama. It's all fallen to pieces. God, speak to me. And God says, I wish you'd speak to me first because I have a plan for you. For starters, why don't you work, Colossians 3.23, why don't you work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for me, working for the Lord rather than for people. Or maybe you're the person that says, you know, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope, and I'm beginning to sense that this addiction in my life is getting out of control. I'm sensing that the social lifestyle, it's just an empty lifestyle, and I wish I could hear from God on this. And God speaks. And very graciously and very lovingly, he says, don't act thoughtlessly. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, let my Holy Spirit fill you. Let my Spirit control your life. Or maybe you're like many people I know right now, and you're saying, I am just underwater. I am so stressed out right now. I've got so much on my plate. I'm being pulled in a hundred different directions, and people and work and home and, and I could just sure use a word from you, God. And God speaks and responds in Matthew 11. And I love this in the message paraphrase. Are you tired? Yeah. Are you worn out? Yes. Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God that is above all. Psalm 46.10 says, he says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. And if you turn to me, literally he's saying, I'll be exalted in you, whatever you're going through. And we say, man, I just wish that God would speak to me. Well, the good news is, as you can tell, He has. And he continually does. This loving, wonderful, indefinable God that I want everybody to know has spoken his incredible truth and wisdom in his word. And he brings our life to light. He brings life to our soul. And he's the only 100% accurate GPS through this one and only life that we have. There's a second way that I think God speaks to us. And friends... I think this is a game changer. You see, the second way is is through the presence of his Holy Spirit in our lives. He's not only given us his word, he's given us the presence of his person to walk with us every day. And I'm telling you, nothing has helped me more in this life than acknowledging the 24-7 presence of God in my life. Jesus told his first followers in John 14, 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And then in John 16, 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all truth. And you know what I found? He he really does. He can guide you into all truth. And for every follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is not just with you, The Bible tells us he takes up residence in you. And not only does he produce there incredible stuff like love and patience and peace and goodness and gentleness and perseverance and self-control. All at the same time, all throughout the day, he speaks deep within our heart. Sometimes he's convicting you. Have you been there? Sometimes the Holy Spirit will challenge you. Sometimes he'll stretch you. Sometimes he will encourage and comfort you. But he's always leading and prompting and directing you to do the right things, to think the right things, to walk the right path. I mean, haven't you heard those moments where where you're just kind of starting to turn inside and and you feel God speaking to you and saying, come on, come on, you're, you're getting overheated now. I mean, don't act like that. Don't say another word. Just just hush. Walk away from this argument. Just breathe and cool down. You've heard that voice, haven't you? Some of you guys here, you've heard the prompting in your heart that says, come on, dude, clean that shaving stubble out of the sink. Don't leave that for somebody else to clean up, right? You know, go back in and kiss your wife. Go back in and put the lid down for once. Let her know that you love and you care for her. And he speaks to you in that moment. Sometimes he says, you know what? You need to step it up. That next work day at church, you need to be there. Those widows that you sit across from at church, you just know they've got needs. You need to go up and ask. How can I minister to you? How can I be there for you? The person you're looking at just has that, that sour, dour face, they're hurting. And just go put an arm around them and say, I just noticed something's heavy on your heart. What can I pray about for you? For some of you tonight. You're going to feel the spirit of God prompt you, and he's going to say to you, it's been long enough. You know what you need to do. Pick up the phone. Call your dad. Forgive him. Pick up the phone. Call your brother. Call your sister and let them know that you do care and you're sorry for the way you treated them. And let go of the bitterness now. Some of you will be leaving this place to go eat lunch and you're going to pass a guy and the Holy Spirit's going to say, see that guy with the sign? I want you to feed him. I've given you more than enough for right now. Give him clothes. Give him a place to sleep tonight that isn't out under the stars or under one of the bridges in Clark County. He gently encourages and coaches and coaxes us. He says, you know what? I've been with you all the way. I speak, I guide, I prompt. If you'll just... Listen to me. See, my prayer for each of you this morning is the prayer of Paul. In Romans fifteen thirteen, when he said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you can overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. Anybody here need some power in their life today? For over a month now, to be honest with you, I've been detoxing from March Madness. <laughs> Got any March Madness basketball fans here? Now, I know I know some of you are OSU football fans. Some of you are Michigan football fans. Uh, but I am a huge college football fan. I, I have always been, always will be. I love March Madness. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You know, I love watching it. And, and a few years ago, one of my friends was invited by a coach, a minister, to sit on the bench with with the players and the other coaches. And he said, you know what, that was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever gotten. He said, just to hear the thousands of fans cheering and and the cheerleaders doing their thing and the players talking amongst themselves, I mean, it was just incredible. And and, and and then he went on to say, you know, the coach, not many people recognize this, but, you know, he's kind of a soft-spoken kind of guy. He's not a yeller. You don't see him get visibly upset a lot. And and he just talks in his normal voice. And over all the commotion, over all the damage that's happening on the floor and up in the stands, those players hear his voice. You know why I think they could? It's because they heard that same voice every day in practice at every minor and major game leading up to that moment. And I'm learning that if you hang out with God consistently, If you spend time in his word, if you acknowledge his presence, you just start living every day in the awareness of his presence, you'll start to hear his voice above the noise. He speaks with wisdom through his word. He speaks through the presence of his Holy Spirit in us. And I've also learned the third thing, that God speaks through the counsel of others. God speaks through other people. You know, the Bible says that if you lack wisdom, you should do what? Ask God, who gives generously without finding fault. And I've found often that the way God gives that wisdom is through other people, through somebody who cares. And so there are times in my life where I've been able to talk to Herb Scott, to Ron Jennings, to, to Tom Rutnick, and to many that God has called to heaven. I've had counselors like a man named Jack White and Don Garner and then here at the church, there were men that I could pull into my office and say, I've got a question. I just want to run this past you. Jerry Rimley, Jim Kitchen, even Whitey Literist, for those of you who remember, a uh, beautiful little man of God. And they would be honest with me. I want you to look what it says in Proverbs thirteen twenty. It says, walk with the wise and become wise, for the companion of fools suffers harm. And I, like you, There are many times that I wish I could just shake some younger men in this community to see that the huge weight of the chain that's sinking them down in this world, it's their companions. And no matter how much they, they work to change, no matter how much they seem to pursue God with or without him, their friends just keep pulling them back into the old patterns of behaviors and cycles that will destroy their marriages destroy their children, their lives, and even their bodies. So let me ask you this morning, who are you walking with? Who's your go-to person for wisdom? Who do you go to for advice? Who do you carry your dreams to? Do you have somebody in your life that loves God and listens to Him and that loves you enough to listen to you? From day one, I think my first go-to person in my life has always been Cheryl. I believe that God has made us a team and and I know that she's got a heart in the right place. She listens to God and she listens to me and I could bounce things off of her. And that's been so helpful because there's times I get excited and I'm like, you know, I want to see this happen. I want to do this and she'll say, well, "Wait a minute. You know, let's take a moment. Let's just slow down." Let's consider this. Have you thought about this? And there are times that she'll say, you need to go talk to somebody else about this. Or "Or you need to make these arrangements. And God has built so much into my life through her. There have been times in my life that I've actually been given insight from God through my two daughters. I can't believe that this Saturday, my my oldest, Emma, is going to be graduating from college at Milligan Now, next weekend, you're going to gather, Mike Surger is going to be here to preach, and I know God's going to bless you. Every time he comes to fill this pulpit again, Mike Serger is a blessing, and I want you to come back and and encourage him. But there are times I pray for God's guidance and wisdom, and through an example or through something that Olivia or Emma has said, God has just just blessed me. And then God has given me a godly mother that has been a good source of counsel as well. And there's a couple of guys right now I could walk out of this pulpit and go pick up the phone and call them and, and whatever I need, they would be there for me. One was a teacher in school by the name of Alan Weber. I could call Maury, my father-in-law. And, and they've just been such a huge part of my life. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, it's for lack of guidance that a nation falls, but victory, it's won through many advisors. And what I see happening so many times is people get passionate about something And they'll go to someone who cares about them and they'll say, hey, i got to tell you about this. I want to know what you think about this. I I just see this happening. I want to buy this, right, or I want to do this, and and here's the plan. And their friend will say to them, you know what, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't see God working in that. I don't think it's going to work out well for you. And what they'll do is they'll walk out and they'll go to their next friend and say, look, I got this great idea. I'm passionate about this. I took this to this other person. They were completely unspiritual about it. They didn't understand me. And here's what I feel God wants me to do. And if they're a friend, that second person will say, well, you know what? I I don't see that working either, to be honest. I don't think God's going to bless that in your life. And they'll go from three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 73 people later, you know, and sometimes it ends up for a lot of people, 3 a.m. in a bar, on a bar stool, talking to the person next to him. Man, here's oh, I'm so passionate about this. This is what I feel I need to buy, I need to do, I need to move in my life. And the person next to them will say, that's a fantastic idea. You know, that's a great idea. And, and, and they'll say, I knew it. I knew God was going to give me the confirmation. And they'll go till they find somebody that builds them up. But, you know, rather than going to 74 different people, I find it's good to go to four or five people that know me really well and say, you know what, this is what God put on my heart. What do you think? And then whatever they say, I'll run that through God's word. I'll run that through the presence of God that's in my life. But one of the ways that God has blessed me so many times is through godly counsel. Now, here's the last one. It's the convergence of circumstances, the convergence of circumstances. Now, we understand convergence living near Dayton and Columbus. If you go to Columbus, you'll find a lot of convergence happening there. We've got I-70, I-71, I-270. If you can't make your way around those, you've got State Road 40, State Route 23, State Route 3, State Route 33, State Route 128, State Route 315, State Route 745. Did I mention State Route 16? Uh, you've got State Route 62, State Route 161. and. At some point, you know, if there's a little rain on the roadway or a little snow or an OSU football game, it is incredibly maddening to drive through Columbus. But all those roads converge there. And that's important. Because, you see, I've found that when you need direction in your life, you start to look at how things converge, how God wired you up. Some of the talents and some of the gifts that God's placed within you. What kind of passion you have in your heart. All the good, the bad, the ugly that you've been through and the experiences of your life. You think back to some things that some good teachers said to you or, or a coach said to you. And then you look at, at all that and the family situation that you grew up with or without, the nuances, and suddenly the light goes off. And you see all these things coming together and you realize in this one lane God, this, this is really you. You're bringing this all together for me. My goodness. You're speaking to me, aren't you? Oswald Chambers said this. He said, God is the great engineer creating circumstances to bring about moments in our lives of divine importance that leads us to divine appointments. I want to have you leave here this morning uh, with two key passages and verses that have meant so much to me when it comes to these consequences in in my life. One of them comes from the the book, book Isaiah in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 30, verse 19, it begins this way. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you'll weep no more. How gracious he'll be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you'll see them. Now, listen to this. I love this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. And gang, that's not just some mystical experience that only a few have access to. That's for people like you and me. And I'm not talking about looking for signs. There are some people that are sign crazy. I mean, they, they will unscramble license plates. They'll tear open fortune cookies. They'll look at cloud formations and say, see honey, I told you God wanted us to go to Hawaii because that cloud looks like Hawaii. But but friends, just Honestly seek God as he gives you direction. And that small, still voice will say, this is the way. I want you to walk in this. Now, the the other verse that meant so much to me is Psalm 119, 71, where it says, it was good for me to be afflicted. What? It was good for me to be afflicted that I might learn your decrees. And friends, if it were not for those two passages in verse... I don't know what I'd be today. The voice of God saying, this is the way, walk in it. And the pain that God has recycled in my life, the afflictions that he has used to teach me about him. I've always said that I'm, I'm a life learner. I'm a student of life. And as long as I can remain teachable, there's hope for me. And friends, I, sometimes I think there, there are a few things worse than a person who is a know-it-all someone who, who rejects their own ignorance or they refuse to learn. And so as I thought that about myself, God said, okay, Bill, I'm going to teach you in many ways. And so often he's done that through pain. Jack Hayford once said, breakthrough happened for me in my life and around me when breakup happened within me. I don't, I don't know why we're so surprised sometimes. Because the one who called us to follow him said, you're going to pick up a cross daily and you're going to follow me. He told us that he would discipline those he loved, and you and I know, those of us that have children, for for a loving parent, anything becomes a tool to craft the life of your child, even pain. Do I like having blindness? No. Do I like tripping over steps in the church or stumbling over wet floor signs? No. Am I happy to sit and and plug in and do infusions once a week for a weak immune system? No. No. But without Christ recycling the aches and the pains, the weakness and the blindness, friends, I don't think I would know how trustworthy he is or how nourishing and life-giving his decrees are. His word has never failed me. His presence has never failed me. His direction has never failed me, no matter what the pain is. And I know that as I get older, And my love for Christ continues to grow. The one thing I don't want to develop is OCD. And you guys know what OCD is, right? I don't want to become old, cranky, and dangerous in my life. Now, I've got this picture on the back of my door. That's familiar to a lot of you. It's an old water pump. And it reminds me of how God speaks. You always wonder, what does a preacher think when he stands in a pulpit? Probably the same thing as us. You know, where are we going to eat when this is done? No, it's not what I'm thinking each day I stand up here I think about standing behind an old well pump with a handle in my hands and lined up behind there are dozens of you with cups. And in broken hearted moments God senses that I need to hear his small still voice say, trust me. People will show up for me and all you have to do is pump out living water. You see the God that I wish every one of you knew Maybe he's just saying to you today, I love you. I know my plans for you, plans to give you hope and a future. So start listening to me in the little things. And who knows, you might experience more and more those feelings of being the right person in the right place at the right time, being used for the right purposes of God. This past week, I came across the story of John and Doris Foster. And this is one of those right people, right place, right time accounts. Great Christian couple, but they were looking after an elderly widow for several years by the name of Bernice Eli. Bernice Eli was a retired school teacher. She was a Sunday school teacher at St. Matthew's Baptist Church, and she lived by herself. But Mrs. Ely needed increased assistance as she aged. She dreaded losing her independence and ended up in a nursing home being taken care of, and she had no immediate family, not one child, not one uh, nephew, whatever, to, to help take care of her. And so she pled with Doris and John, please, don't ever let me end up in a nursing home. And they assured her that as long as we're able, we'll help take care of you. But there came a day when her health needs far outweighed their ability to care for her. And so Mrs. Ely got so feeble, the foster said, Bernice, we're sorry, but we have to bring other people in to be a blessing to you we need to to take you to this care facility and she reluctantly agreed and John packed up some of her basic uh, belongings in his pickup truck and Doris followed uh, and she packed up you know feeble Mrs. Ely in the front seat uh, of her car but halfway to the nursing home Doris noticed her frail passenger slumped over in the seat and unresponsive and she pulled over to the side of the road to secure her seatbelt, thinking she'd fallen asleep but when she touched her arm, she realized that Bernice Ely had passed. And when Doris finally got to the care facility, John said, what, what happened to you? You were right behind me, weren't you? And Doris said, I was. But we had to make a stop on the way to heaven, on the way here. You See, God only knows when you're going to be the right person, in the right place, at the right time, for God's right purposes. He knows the time that we have upon this earth. But in the time we have, God is not silent. He speaks to us. He speaks through us. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, there's so many times in this life we don't know when we make a stop We might have to make a stop for heaven on the way to wherever we plan to go. For the people that we love in our life, for people that we have just chance meetings with. And Father, even for each of us, we pray that you would teach us to number our days correctly. That we can gain that heart of wisdom. And Father, we ask that you would teach us through your word. Give us a hunger and a thirst for your word that's met in your word. Help us to not neglect your beautiful love letter to us. Father, help us not to to turn off the voice of your Holy Spirit. When you call us to move, when you call us to act, when you call us to be, help us to respond with a readiness and an obedience that fits being our Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you for the people in this congregation that you've gifted with wisdom that we need. Help us to seek their counsel. Help us to seek the people in our life, those four or five people that that really love you and listen to you and truly love us and will listen. And then, Father, for all the circumstances in our life that brought us to you to begin with, some people here this morning, the circumstances just brought them here to hear your word. Father, use those circumstances to shape your will, your direction for them. But for each of us, God, we are thankful for your voice. We're thankful that you're a God, that when we needed to hear from you, you spoke and, and you sent your son. And now it's our time in this conversation to speak back to you and tell you, Father, we need you. We need you to be our Lord and Savior. For some, for the first time, to say, I, I, need, a, I need God in my life, in my heart. I need the forgiveness of my sins. I, I need a new life. And give them the courage to come. For those that are looking for a church home and even for those that just need someone to bend the knee and pray with them and for them. Lord, stir the hearts of the elders here this morning. Stir the hearts of the individuals that they gather together before they leave this place to meet with you. Father, we love you. And we call upon you in your answer. In Jesus' name, amen.